Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Michael Zanzini and Lorenzo Poda to discuss everything around investors and mortgages. They are part of the group at BM Select, which has done a ton of mortgages for investors, hundreds of millions, I guess billions of dollars in investor mortgages at this point. And these two, although they're young, have years and years of experience. Michael Zanzini is 32 years old, Lorenzo Poda is 23 years old, but don't do not let their age fool you. These guys have worked with hundreds and hundreds of investors at this point. They have a real solid understanding of investing, investor mortgages, dealing with the banks. And on this particular episode, we get into their story. So both how they, how they both got started, you know, owning properties themselves and how they're, they went about dealing with investors and working in the mortgage space. And we get into credit and how banks are looking at credit right now, income and what the banks are looking at when it comes to income in 2022, the different bank processes, because a lot has changed over the last few years. If you haven't bought a property in a little while, the way the banks are just dealing with things and the way mortgage brokers have to deal with things has changed over the last 18 months specifically. How to use corporations to buy properties, the entire process from start to finish. So we go through it all. I really enjoyed their stories and sitting down with both Michael Zanzini and Lorenzo Poda. I think you will too. And if you are listening to this and you are thinking you want some more real estate investment experience, but you don't know where to start, you can check out some of the YouTube videos that we put out on our YouTube channel, which is available at youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. That's youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. A lot of that is around real estate stuff, of course, but we share videos around our own personal development, some books that we've read over the years that have been helpful to us, the different stages of our own financial kind of independence and how we look at things from that point of view. Um, so we share everything that we think has been useful to us that we would have liked to find when we were maybe getting started 25 years ago or so, something like that. Um, you can find all of that information on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. That's youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, we are live with Michael Zanzini who I'm for the rest of this episode, I'm going to refer to as Zanzini because that's the way I speak to Michael. When I talk to him, I call him Zanzini because everyone else calls you Zanzini. Correct. So Michael Zanzini is here from BM Select and Lorenzo Poda is here from BM Select. I'm going to call you Lorenzo. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we were just talking about this proper 12. The reason we have this proper 12 here is because when we booked this, you guys, you guys said, Hey, are we going to have tequila? That, that's why we're drinking right now. So what time is it? It's 10.15 in the morning. 10.15. And you guys showed up, but I didn't have tequila in the freezer. And I thought you guys might appreciate a cold tequila. But I had this proper 12 bottle that we hadn't opened. And the only thing I will say, if the camera can see this, this shot is like maybe you know, a triple. Michael, yes. That's not even... No, <laughs> this, is this, is, this is coming from guys who drink uh, Ciroc yeah. in the summer, like it's going out of style. I don't, um, but no, that's not a That's like maybe a double this shot. This is pretty big. It's an espresso cup. So uh, it's pretty cheer. big. It's we'll start off with yeah. <laughs> just sip it. It's nice. It's, it's oh, cheers. Gotta go down. Just, just sip it. No, thank I'm, you I'm, for I'm, having I'm us. Sip. Thanks for being here. Lorenzo, for the record, did finish that in one shot. You're crazy. <laughs> so let, let's get into this. How did you guys? Um, I guess Enzina, we'll start with your story. 
I don't know, how does this work? Like you, you're, uh, you're how old? You just told me it was 33, 32, 32, 32. And you've been working with mortgage mortgages for seven years. So give me that path. Like how then at 25, I guess at 25, you just walk up to BM Select and Dave Butler and say, hey, I'm going to start working with you. Like, how do you get to that point? Cut. So you're along the right track. So basically speaking is my parents were Rockstar members. They bought a couple houses through Rockstar. Working with Leslie Kitchen was their coach at the time. Oh, no way. Yeah. And uh, my parents actually brought me to Your Life, Your Terms event when I was a lot younger, like fresh out of university, like starting working, doing dead end job kind of thing. And uh, came there, came to one of your events, seeing you and Nick up there doing your presentation, whatever, young guy, 24, 23 years old. And flash forward, my parents were going to get pre-approved. They're ready to buy their first rental property. And they asked me, do you want to come with us to go meet this broker? I was not doing, not doing nothing. Went down to our old office there and uh, sat down and literally met Dave in the flesh when I was like 22, 23 years old with my parents getting pre-approved the old-fashioned way, coming in. Going over did the he numbers. Have his Pittsburgh Steelers suit Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. True story. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pittsburgh Steelers hoodie on, all of that. Shorts and flip flops, if I right. remember. Yeah. 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 And, and he probably introduced himself and said, Oh, sorry, I didn't expect to meet any clients Absolutely. today. I don't always dress like this. <laughs> Absolutely. A year later, you realize he always dresses yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Wouldn't have it any other way. No. So basically, parents bought their first property, bought a second property, bought a third property. Going through life changes, you know what I mean? Growing up as a young man, trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And I remember it was like one Christmas. I was like, ma, pa, I'm Italian. That's how we call our parents, ma, pa. I'm like, I don't know if I, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Do you have any recommendations, any suggestions? And they're like, I don't know. You're a good talker. People like you, right? Maybe you should go and see, uh, talk. Maybe you should get into real estate or talk to that Dave Butler character that uh, he was a good guy, very knowledgeable, liked him, liked his personality. Why don't you go try mortgages? Why don't you call him up? Sent him a quick email. My mom still had his email. Said, hey, Dave, uh, I'm Maria and Giancarlo Zanzini's son. You uh, willing to meet? He responded back like a day later. He's like, absolutely. Come see me after the Christmas holidays. Went in there, walked into the room. How are you, buddy? I remember you, you're uh, past clients. Like your parents are past clients. Were you here for a job? And he caught me completely off guard. I was playing the whole Christmas pull holidays. The mic, pull the mic a little closer. I was, I was literally planning my whole pitch. Like, how am I going to go and do this? Like sell myself like young guy, work for free. I don't care. I just want to learn. I want take me as your mentor kind of thing. And he threw a complete curveball at me literally within 20 seconds walking in. He's just like, you want a job? When do you want to start? Boom. Literally from that day forward. Like have been it's there funny when since. you catch someone, uh, especially an entrepreneur like Dave, and you probably just caught him at a time where maybe he was breaking yeah. and he needed help. And most people in that situation don't have time for formal interviews and steps. If you're going to a big corporation, they're going to have their filtering process and that yeah. thing. But Dave, you, you just found him at the right time. So kudos, man. Good on you for walking in like that. And then how did it start? Like you had no experience. So what were you doing for Dave? Just literally, uh, we were joking about it earlier, just taking papers and putting them in a filing cabinet. Yeah, like literally like the old school story of like in the mailroom, like filing papers, printing documents, like literally just being a service to anyone that was there in the office. Then starting to understand a mortgage, learning to read credit. That transitioned into working with the rent to own. That's and right. Credit I counseling. forgot you were doing that. Yeah. And honestly, Dave always said to me, he's like, buddy, you're going to hate your life. This is crap. But what I'm telling you right now, this is going to shape the foundation of where you're going to be if you stick this out. Understanding credit and working with clients. Sorry, I'm a little bit parched. No, no, it's, it's good. It's that shot. We're drinking whiskey <laughs> yeah, yeah, at 10 yeah. in the morning. 
Yeah, don't pretend that you can't handle well, you two can't handle one shot. Hey, um, so uh yeah, cause cause that makes sense to me that you're just looking at credit reports, it's kind of yeah. shitty, you're probably yeah. not dealing with clients directly a lot at that moment. So did you go through a period like two or three years in where you thought, well, this is pretty shit? Like, fuck this shit. I'm going to quit this shit. Like, no, did you hit that? Never, because the good thing about Dave, and I say Dave, but I also got to give kudos to Dan Patton mm -hmm. as well, who's another big part of my mentorship and have shaped me to be where I'm at today, is both of them said they would encourage you every day. How you doing? Little step by steps. This sucks. Trust me. By understanding income and understanding credit, that is a mortgage. It's credit, income, and down payment. If you can down pact credit and income and understand what you're looking at and it makes sense, that's all a mortgage is. And the more you do with that, and the more that you deal with that, the better you understand it, which then transitions you to understanding what you're looking at. Now you can relay that to a client and now go and relay that to a bank and do a deal. So you're going through the ranks, you're dealing with in the trenches, but it shapes you to where I'm at today, which I'm proud to say is literally the second man in the lead sales at our office, working with Dan Patton, working with all the clientele. And I awesome. only got there by starting from the beginning. Awesome, right? man. Good for you. Yeah. I'm pumped to hear that because <laughs> I think people your age right now, it's kind of, I don't know, I guess every generation kind of reflects back and says, oh, maybe these guys have it harder. But I just think like, ah, oh, man, I just feel like my generation was able to ride this wave. And yeah. maybe we didn't know we were riding the wave, but there was a big tech boom. Yeah. That were like the, the software boom. We just kind of like, if you just got into that industry, you kind of rode this awesome wave. And then if you got into real estate, you kind of rode that wave. And there was a moment there where I looked at your generation. I'm like, ah, how are these guys, like, how are they going? What, what trend are they going to ride? And I think that has been very cool that you've kind of hopped into the real estate industry because yeah. that has turned out to be a, a massive trend with low interest Absolutely. rates for the last decade. And now I have a, a, a better picture with things like, and we can talk about it with the way technology and money, things like Bitcoin's evolving. I'm like, okay, there are different opportunities that didn't exist when I was yeah. young that these guys are going to be able to understand and hop into. Absolutely. And uh, it's going to be a great ride for you guys. So good for you for setting yourself up, man. Seriously. It was it was a tough journey. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people would have cracked. Dan and Dave said it all the time. There's people that have been in your shoes, same, similar with Lorenzo. They don't make it. Well, and so why? Just because the work was uh, just after deal after deal, the paperwork yeah. just a gets lot of it's, it's super fast paced super it's, it's very intense every day too you're under a lot of pressure right you're dealing with someone's biggest purchase of their life right so especially if it's investors that have a lot of moving parts going on with a quick closing day or it's someone trying to buy their first home and it's someone that this is the, the biggest purchase they'll ever make so it's a lot of pressure on that and from the client obviously to make sure it goes smoothly combined with the fast pace dealing with the bank multiple moving parts a lot of people do crack under it but uh so yeah it's very it's very much some of the strongest do survive and the week will fall off and then so for and Michael, I can't believe I called him Michael. <laughs> Michael, we'll That's come back first. to you. We'll come back to you in a second. Then so Lorenzo, like how do you get into? Because now you're 23. Yeah, 23. And you've already now. been doing it for four years. So I think five. But yeah, four or five years. So at 18, yeah. 19. Walk me so through yeah, that. I think it was, yeah. What ended up happening? So when I was in grade 12, I think. So my dad was obviously my dad Sergio Pote and my mom. They're long term uh, rock star members as well. Been there for a long time. And uh, my dad, when I was in grade 11 or 12, just on the weekend, just brought me to a rock star conference. And I remember I was in grade 12. And that day, I swear to you, that day might have actually changed my life. Because that was the day first I met Dave, and then so and then the, actually after that I ended up meeting Dr. Cohen. So when I actually went up went to that conference, I had a concussion that day, and oh, uh, yeah, so I just went there with all concussed. Because we had him speaking yeah, at the event. Yeah, that was the first time he ever spoke at the event, and wow. I remember him going up saying, "I treat concussions," and I was like, "Oh my God, someone could help me here." I was just screwed up for a bit, and yeah, so I met Dave that day, and then met Dr. Cohen. I remember going home being like, 
But I just met like two crazy, like what am I going to be the next event? Like I was really excited for it all the time. But yeah, so I met, met Dave at the event there. Um, I had always had part-time jobs as a kid growing up, like little side hustles in high school. And uh, Like what kind of part-time jobs? Like I started off at like grade five as a paper boy, um, then was a soccer referee, worked at grocery stores, um, like marketing companies, just wherever I could make like an extra buck, basically, I was just kind of figuring out a way to do it at that time. And so I ended up saving up a little bit of money, not on a ton, but it was enough to like buy a house a 5% down when I was in like grade 12. And it was one especially when the houses were very cheap too, and it was like obviously you can buy a house for like three, four hundred grand. And uh, so I went to Dave in that day, and I was that that day I was like, hey, like I'm trying to buy a house, want to be like my dad, like I want to buy a property too. And he's like, okay, perfect, so let, let's get started. And started off that day, I had to go get a credit card first. You have to establish credit, and then uh, I called Dave. He go, told me what credit card to go get just to get started with it. And then they didn't let me get the credit card because I was too young. So I called Dave. I'm like, hey, like what do I do? I'm not 18 yet. So. He's like, we just, we just got to wait. So then I call, he's like, call me back. So you were trying to buy this house at 17 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Would the banks have lent to you at 17 years old? Probably not. I didn't have a credit card. Okay. So yeah, no, I just, I had no idea. Right. And my dad just kind of let me figure it out. Not necessarily let me figure it out. He knew it was kind of like, just let me kind of explore it. So uh, yeah, no one really stopped me in that sentence from figuring out maybe you're too young for it. But, uh, but yeah, so then called Dave back, like probably the day after my birthday, said, hey, I'm ready to go get a credit card now. So got the credit card set up. And then uh, I was in university at that point because I was 18. And you needed the credit card to establish to your establish credit. credit. And how exactly. long did that take? Six months? Yeah, actually months? Two, two, six months to a year. So I didn't buy, I didn't end up buying a house right away. I kind of went down a different path in that sense, but uh, I can get to that too. So, but yeah, I got the credit card, started establishing credit. Dave coached me through how to build it up, put a balance on it, pay it off every month, pay the minimum payment some months, just to make it show like you're like always paying the credit card down. And uh, so, yeah, so I started building up my credit in that sense. And then I was in university looking for obviously summer job when you come out. And I remember I just called Dave and I was like, so everything's been going well. He seems like a really nice guy. I wasn't like me personally, wasn't big into the corporate world. My, my parents and I saw kind of how, how it worked. And Why? I, honestly, I don't know. I just didn't really like the. It just wasn't resonating? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't resonating with me. I, I'm very like, not necessarily, not like proper, but I wasn't really like, I just saw everyone seem fake to me, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, where it was just in a sense that you're just, everyone's always just kind of like just smiling at everyone else just to make sure everything goes smoothly. But there was nothing that was like kind of real there. And I'm very much, I like kind of, having like a small big like good circle of people like i'm big with team environments and the corporate was kind of just it just seemed like everyone was just going through the motions there and uh and my dad was big in it too he was like kind of always like yeah he, he's in the corporate world and he kind of always told me it's not necessarily like where you want to be right and so that was kind of a big big part looking at it too so i just i don't know i always thought like looked at small business and kind of looked at being more of an entrepreneur or something like that is more something i liked and uh and yeah so then anyways asked dave for a job because that, that's where i wanted to go he said yeah absolutely so the first summer i was there i was just filing papers kind of kind of like mike was uh learning credit things like that and then so that summer went by Everything went well. I had a good time there. Started learning as the summer went on, which was great. And then uh, the second and third summer was kind of where, where it started taking off for me, essentially. So that day was a lot, lot heavier involved, too, in those those months, those summer months with the uh, company. I just started sitting with him pretty much every day from that point on until probably about a, a year ago. With, obviously, I was in school part of the time, too. But, um, yeah, I started sitting with him, learned mortgages start to finish, essentially. And, uh, and yeah, that's pretty much kind of where we're at now. Now we have a... Now we have a team. I'm kind of working with Mike every day. Yeah, and so what are you team. doing now there? Yeah, so I'm, I'm running the underwriting team right now. So if anyone wants to know how a mortgage works start to finish, essentially what you have to do is obviously the file comes in, you speak to your agent, but then there's a whole back end process of dealing with all the lenders, working with obviously the banks, the paperwork, everything like that to get the deal approved. That's kind of the bones of mortgages, you're just underwriting, right? So I manage the team right now of that. We have about 10 people hired, probably 15 more for the summer. Obviously, we're going to be doing a big growth phase uh, coming up. But 15 more for yeah, the summer. Yeah, so yeah, we ended up so we ended up noticing too. A big thing that we ended up noticing is uh 
a lot of people that we've hired in the industry, we always used to hire people like we want experience, right? You want someone who's been underwriting for like five, 10 years and never have they worked out. So it's been one of those things that they've never worked out. And all of our best people that we've hired up, like BM Selector that Dave's brought on necessarily have been myself, Michael. We've had one of my buddies comes on named Marco. So it's always been kids coming out of school. We have like all the girls and one girl named Tasha. Like it's always been people coming out of school that have been our best and like just young and hungry wine to learn. I've been our best employees. So we kind of just this year said like, fuck it. Let's just try to go this route here. And so we ended up doing a bunch of, uh, did you just curse? Yeah. Am I allowed to do that? You're allowed. Sorry. <laughs> you're allowed to I heard swear. Tom- <laughs> yeah, 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 you're allowed to swear. You're allowed to swear. You're allowed Sorry, to swear. I was getting into it here. <laughs> you're allowed to swear. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. It wouldn't be authentic without yeah. it. No, 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 no. So, yeah. So I kind of, uh, so we just basically said, yeah, let's screw it. Let's go with the, uh, let's go try to hire university kids. So we did a bunch of, it was mostly David and myself, but, and then we did a bunch of you know, university uh, campus recruitment tours and things like that and had a ton of kids want to just apply for our, for our jobs. And we ended up hiring about 15 of them. So some are going to be full time, some are just summer students, a little bit. That's of, for this summer. Yeah. Start in uh, May. Wow. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of do a big growth phase. So yeah, that's gonna be stuff. a shit show right yeah, there with fifteen yeah, new yeah. people <laughs> starting. Yeah, and this is mostly remote. I all guess. remote, yeah. So yeah, all remote. So we're yeah we're getting rid of the office. Uh, our lease comes up, so we're gonna be fully remote. Our company's gonna be fully remote. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. So, it's all okay. Consumed. So then you're managing the underwriting team. Correct. So, so basically, when a deal comes in, start to finish, like start to finish. Obviously, Mike's your, your agent. He'll talk to the client, walk through everything. Then the file kind of gets passed over to myself and my team. We put everything together, send it off to the bank, deal with them, and fight for the approvals, basically, and work with kind of the intricacies of the bank all day, trying to get approvals in, make sure clients qualify, things like that. So when someone, I, and I think no one understands that what goes on behind the scenes to get a mortgage. So people will just call you. I'm sure you get this call like, Hey, I need a mortgage, probably need it by tomorrow. Or, you know, I need it for next week. What in today's world, we used to really push Dave sometimes for a two week closing and he would curse, but he would get it done. Yeah. Is that just impossible today? Is it three? Like what is the minimum now? And let's, let's talk about, is there a difference between primary place of residence, mortgage, and rental property? What's in, the minimum? In, Three in weeks? In terms of timeline, like the primary residence and rental doesn't necessarily matter. It's all dependent on file normally. So if someone, again, if you're buying a primary residence and it's your first home, it's a lot easier for the banks to do as a file. They're underwriters. It's a lot easier for them just to go process one file. So bare, bare minimum, and I wouldn't necessarily suggest this either because you're really putting yourself in like a sticky situation. It would be like three to four weeks, I would say. Okay. Um, yeah, the two-week thing before, I remember back, like, back obviously when I was during Washington, it was possible. The banks just ever since COVID started, it's just, it, it's like even. So if somebody market. has three week closing and you're not hearing back, it's because you've submitted everything, but the bank just can't process it yeah, on their side. Exactly. So we, we've even seen times, especially in the depth of COVID where some of the banks, like I guess what ended up happening, a good way to describe it too is what ended up happening. So COVID hit, the banks laid off a bunch of people, right? People got laid off because obviously everyone expected everything to crash. But real estate ended up going up. So if they had 100 people for a job, they now have 80 people for for a job that needs 120 people. So it's just the backlog went, went crazy there. And it's just now we're starting to kind of come back from it. And the biggest hurdle I guess you have to go through is probably the people applying for the mortgage don't give you a complete file. Like they're missing papers. Yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of that too. Obviously yeah. document chasing, like who wants to hand in thousands of like hundreds of I hate personally, yeah, I, I hate listen, I just I create a Dropbox folder. I don't know if you still yeah. do this, but with Dave, I used to just share a Dropbox yeah, folder yeah. and say, Dave, I don't know, everything in my life is there. Plus what you Yeah, you just take it. Because I, 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 I yeah, used to freak crazy. out. Yeah, okay, it's I'm nuts. Just, so yeah, so a lot of it's documents wise and a lot of it's just getting to like a getting deals to work. Obviously, like mortgage rule, like everything is obviously underwriting is very not necessarily tricky, but you have to obviously be, be good at it to get get deals approved, especially when you have investors with multiple moving parts, buying a couple properties at once or things like that. So, so this is where Michael Zanzini, you're talking to people saying, hey, you're on your second property now. We're going to need to do this, this and this. Like, so you're setting the stage for what we need to get done for an approval. Of course. 
And then after that, it transitions over to kind of Lorenzo's yeah. team there yeah. to kind of take that home. So then, right? yeah, so what ends up happening is that when the file comes out, Mike will talk to them, give them the kind of introduction. We'll work on how to get them approved for, for Mike. Obviously, he's, like, he's always crazy busy too. So we'll work on my team, work on how to get them approved in that pre-approval stage. So we'll be working the file. For, there's a lot of my members or clients that come to us. We'll deal with some people on my team right off the bat. And then, yeah, Mike will talk to them or Dan, whoever the agent is, talk to them, let them know, here's what you need to get like, to get approved for the mortgage. Here's what we can get you approved for. Uh, here's the plan to buy five, six, seven properties if that's what they're looking to do. And then, uh, and yeah, go get an accepted offer. And then again, we'll work from there once the deal comes back in to get an approval. Okay. So then for you guys to really give the best advice, you need paperwork from them right out right of the gates, the bat, which everybody yeah. hates. Yeah, exactly. Like, Listen, I just want to talk to Zanzini. Zanzini, I want to buy 18 million properties. Tell me how I'm going to do it. But your response is like, I literally cannot tell you how to do this without seeing yeah. what? Income, Income, credit. Credit is like a lot of people are like, but what if I'm not ready to buy right now? I don't want to run my credit. Well, here's the God honest truth is we can give you a rough estimate, a rough guideline of where your numbers are working, give it to us verbally, provide your own credit reports, but it's not 100% accurate because the biggest component too is credit score. Your credit score is is vital to an application. That could be the difference. And if you pull the credit score, everyone's panicked about pulling credit scores, but isn't that like a soft, am I using the right language? Is that a soft? Not necessarily a soft, but it's a little bit of a myth that like, hey, my credit score is going to drop 50 points. That's, that's not really going to happen. It, it is technically just a regular credit hit, Okay. but um, but it doesn't necessarily consider like all of a sudden you would be dropping 50 points. So you haven't seen it where you've pulled someone's no. credit and you've been the difference at them no, no. qualifying yeah, or no, not. No. That, that's okay. literally never happened in the history. But you realize like in all the real estate investing books, that's like threatened to yeah, all investors. It's, it's like good, never get your credit and, and pulled. You, and to be honest, a piece of it is the fact that they don't want people shot. Like obviously mortgage broker, you don't want someone going to five different mortgage brokers if you're a mortgage broker, right? So it's like, hey, don't let anyone pull your credit, well, right? So that's, that, and sorry to interrupt you, but that's the biggest thing is you never, never recommend someone dealing with seven different banks, five different mortgage brokers, having... 15 different options. You need to be working with a trusted person, a trusted company, a trusted brokerage or your bank, whoever it is, mortgage specialist, and working with them because yeah, essentially, running your credit once or twice is not gonna really impact you. But having it run multiple times, now you're credit seeking, now you're dinging your credit score, stuff like that, right? So so credit seeking is an industry term for this guy, yeah. this so it's person's someone, hopping so, around. Exactly, if you're, if you're getting pulled like one, two, three times, not a big deal, especially if you're applying for a mortgage because obviously Equifax, they understand you're gonna have, might shop around with lenders, things like that, so that's not a big deal. But when you're getting to, hey, my credit's been pulled like seven times in the past six months and it's been pulled by a car company, TD pulled it for a credit line, Scotia pulled it for a more like when you start kind of going crazy okay. like that that's called credit seeking so, so one pull by the mortgage broker is not, not really going to be a big enough. deal and that gives you Zanzini the information you need to give them an accurate portrayal of what you're going to be able to do that's the key word there accuracy that's all we're trying to do here is provide accurate numbers so that you're confident out with your coach out with your real and what estate are you shopping. looking for in a credit score what's is 680 and above still considered good credit yes, yep. yes. so 680 on a credit score still considered good yep. credit I used to subscribe I still do but I rarely check it anymore as an Equifax like alert that anyone who pulls my credit I'll get like an email yes and then I think I get like a quarterly report that tells me my yeah. credit score. I always found that super helpful. It, it yes. is cool. Just to be a kind of one thing, we have this conversation with clients all the time too. Those reports that you get are a lot of times different than the ones we get Come from the on. banks get. Yeah, so Why? This, <laughs> however the algorithm yeah, works or however algorithm. it posts, right. like it's well, similar. So it's if a, I see 725, so yeah, you'll see score, something else? Our score could be like 695. No. So it's not necessarily, I'm not going to say way off. You have good, like, again, the world at the end of the day, if you, have, if you have good credit, you have good credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like I wouldn't be something like people look into, but we've had times where clients was my credit score is 875, and then we pull and it's 740. Again, not a big difference in the world of the bank. Mm -hmm. They don't care if you're 740 or an 875. Nick has like 820. Yeah, he's very proud of that. He's got he's got you beat. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I tell him, get a tattoo. <laughs> why don't you get a tattoo yes. if it's so good, man? I don't know why I have. So I pay everything on time. I have like no balances yeah. anywhere. I don't know why yeah. I'm getting this. It's just not good. So once you're over that, like, like even 730 is like a new barrier that kind of coming out. Once you're over that, like, 700 mark, though, it's like it, it, you're just like, you're in. Like, cool. You don't get extra yeah, points for being it. 900 versus a 750. So, yeah, once you're past that, it's not a big deal. So when people start nitpicking at numbers, guys, like, doesn't yeah, it's really kind matter. of a waste of time. Yeah. Okay. So then really they give some information. Lorenzo to BM select mortgages. Yep. You kind of, your team collects a bit of that. Yep. Zanzini then gets on the phone with someone and yep. says, I can see the credit score that you have. I see your income. Yep. I guess they're sharing. Yep. What are they sharing for income? Yeah, so if you're like regular, like say you just have a regular job, you're giving this job letter, pay stubs, T4s, things like that. Okay. So, so I returns. give a pay stub saying, yep. Hey, here's how much I make. Yep. Then that gives you Zanzini enough or what am I missing here? So it all depends. Every client's different, right? Other mortgages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. If you own other properties, okay. if you have rental properties, lease agreements, mortgage statements, tax bills we want to start to basically formulate the file and then we're basically qualifying on your debt service ratios right so that's what it's that's all the bank so is then you're at. taking all this because i've always been i never want to share information to anyone and if i didn't know yeah. you guys i'm like fuck you. yeah, you're not yeah. getting my fucking information you know the less the better that's how i've always operated yeah. with the banks but i've come to trust bm select yes. a lot so i'm like okay these are the guys that are going to just know all my whole life yeah so i just usually tell dave and dan here's everything yeah. yeah like here's all the mortgages to my name here's everything that's going on so that's ultimately what you're looking for of course because then when you submit a new approval with an investor who buys a property, you're not surprised when the bank says, oh, you didn't tell us about... Correct. Exactly. Like Bank of Nova Scotia doesn't say, well, you didn't tell us about this TD mortgage that these guys have. Correct. That kind of stuff. Correct. Yeah. And this might sound silly to say, but here's the truth. With COVID, with everything going on over the last couple of years, the banks have become a lot more strict and stringent, A, from qualifying and way more document heavy than they've ever been before, right? So People, what does that mean? So before you didn't need to provide what? Um... It, they, if you were be, if you were able to provide maybe pay stubs that are sixty or ninety days old, they would take that. Oh, an older, now they, now an they older want employee, the they or, want something or, current because people are getting laid off. Yeah, people yeah. were taking sir. People are doing this. Maybe people are self-employed. You're Got already it. in a year in advance no, with your T ones. They want yeah. to see you're still working. Income continuity. They use the term. Okay, great. Here's your tax returns. Being self-employed. Show me you're still operating in 2021. So, oh, how, so how does a self-employed person show they're still operating? So yeah. So the, this is the biggest thing. This is the one the biggest changes with COVID that we've noticed. So a self-employed person before. Before COVID was show me your two-year tax returns yeah. and your T1 generals, whatever you claim, they'll take the average, move on with your day. Now it's okay, show me your two-year tax returns. That's just to prove your income. That's just the number they'll use to qualify now based off what your two-year tax returns are. But now what they're gonna say is give me also in the condition of that, want to see six months of your business bank statements showing on. showing that you're still like your income's still going in. So if, if your mind starts kind of racing, it's like if maybe you're a business that was affected by COVID or you're a business that, hey, like going through a rough time right now, that's having, there's not a ton of deposits going into my bank account for whatever reason, the bank will, like they'll approve you first because they don't ask for it upfront necessarily. But in one of their conditions on that commitment you get, it's going to say hey, six months bank statements or GST returns. There's a couple options you can give them, but something showing you're still working basically. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So to touch on back to your point. Trust me, paperwork, document collection, it's the biggest pain in the ass of our business and yeah, working sure. with clients. But the reason why we request it up front, because we don't want surprises on the back end. Sure. The more we gather up front, the easier, the smoother the transition is when we're closing. And we've seen over the years, so many people will throw you guys curveballs by telling you one story of what they own and, you know, and then 
day of closing comes out and the bank comes back and says, oh my gosh, you didn't, you know, we just yeah. discovered, I don't know what they pull, but uh, I think the bank's going to get more information. Yeah, or now. most of the time, sometimes it's like, hey, this, this property here we have, there's no mortgage on it. And we're saying, okay, no problem. Like, sure, we'll, we'll believe Oh, it. but then there was a and mortgage. And then the lawyer will call you the day of closing saying, hey, we did a title search and there's uh, there's a mortgage secured to it. And that changes everything now. Now you're the day of closing. Yeah. Or, or sometimes it happens. Clients be like, I own this, this, and this. And they don't tell us that they're on title of their daughter's house that they co-signed yeah. for. Now there's a whole. But to be fair to them, if they're not in the industry, maybe they kind yeah. of dismiss that as not a big deal. Like I understand from your point of view, you might think, how could you not think that's yeah, a big yeah. deal? But I could honestly see myself doing something like yeah, that. Absolutely. Oh, it's common. <laughs> it, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. It happens. But that's why we're very, I don't want to say vigorous, but that's why we jump on the phone call, whether it's myself or Dan or the agent. We want to get these fact-finding questions because we want to make your file accurate. If you're on title or own any properties that you're on title on or own, we want those mortgage statements. We want those okay. tax bills. So you're so documents collected. You're getting on the phone and saying, "Okay, now I have a complete picture. I see your income. I see yep. it's current. I see credit score. I see that you're you have two or three other mortgages." And now, as Michael Zanzini, you're able to say, "Here are options to go forward." Of course, because depending on the game plan of every client, every client is different, right? Maybe they do have goals and aspirations of owning multiple properties. Maybe it's just one or two. Well, now you start to narrow down and segue down which banks we should be utilizing. Because if I want four properties, you're going to take me perhaps in a different order of banks than if I wanted one. Correct. Okay. And right. what about monoline lenders? Do you guys work with monoline yeah, so lenders? So monoline, we do work with them a ton. Uh -huh. They're, they're just, they're good, but they have their own place in like the industry. Like with rental properties are not huge. We don't like, like working with them. The banks have a stranglehold on the rental properties. Okay. For, so monoline lenders are reasons. usually, they're usually for first time home buyers. Okay. You're buying an owner occupied. I'm it's pretty just, sure we have a monoline on a rental. Yeah. That would have been a different reason back okay. in the day. There were, there was definitely use for them back, back you before. You calling me old right now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Go yeah, on, there's go. definitely a use for them before. They're, they're a lot less useful now. Um, in terms of investing, if you're buying a regular house, they're, they're great with the rates. What ended up happening, there was a lot of stuff that happened with the Bank of Canada a couple of years ago where they came out with new rules, essentially, that allowed the banks to have a lot bigger access to the rental pool. So the monoline lenders basically said the only place they can compete right now is in the rate game. They can't really compete on rentals because of the 30-year amortizations, because the ability for lines of credits and things like that. So they kind of left that space in the rental game and said, okay, we're just going to compete for rate. So you'll get fantastic rates on owner-occupied homes, but if you're trying to build a rental portfolio, it's almost impossible unless you make like $700,000. Okay, so you're dealing with the big banks. Basically. Yeah, exactly. We deal with the monoline lenders, all of them too, and we, if it fits there, we'll definitely go there, but it's not necessarily always a big, your best, your best option. Okay, and then why would somebody go to a B lender? And do you guys deal with B lenders all the time? All the time. Okay, so what's the? Why am I going to a B lender? Uh, there and, could and, be there could be a couple things why a B lender is advantageous. Primarily, it's more so used for either people that has stress, uh, stressed credit, in, imperfect credit. We like to say that you may not fit the guidelines of the A lender banks because of your credit score. Um, another, so below six eighty. No, not necessarily. Okay. We Let's still say below 600 normally. Oh, okay. But yeah. if your credit's like a 630, but you have a lot of recent mispayments, like it, it's definitely a little bit of a gray area. If you're below 600, you're automatically going to, like that's just like you're not in the A-lender category. We have seen the one-off with an exception. Maybe husband's got a low score and the wife's strong. We've seen those exceptions. But in all fairness, we always try to guide and coach people. Ideally, we'd like to see you at above 680. If you're in the mid, lower 600, still workable and doable to still fit with an A-lender bank, please don't be discouraged to any listeners out there. But ideally, yes, 680 and higher is the go-to. If you're below 600, that's kind of where we get into the murky okay. waters of maybe the A-lenders aren't going to consider us, maybe needs a little bit of time. And what's the rate difference between an A-lender and a B-lender right now? Ballpark it. It doesn't have to be 100% accurate. Well, the truth of the matter is, is 
it's very similar right now. The spread used to be huge. Now it's very, very close in the sense that a B lender today, if we're talking rental, 20% down, 25% down, sometimes the B sure. lenders want three and a quarter to three and a half percent is usually what we less, see. Sometimes even less. There's hardly any spread yeah. because yeah. A, a five year fix from an A lender is going to be what, 2.99 to 3.15? Exactly. 3.14, exactly. Okay. Depends yeah. on where you go. Exactly. So, so how have I, I'm so used to in the past B lenders being two points higher. So yeah, the way the B lenders works, they get their money. It's not necessarily, they're not really regulated, but they're regulated obviously, but they don't work with the way to get their money. The banks do right. They get their money from institutions from like, like oh, hedge funds, things it. like that. So whatever they're got borrowing it. at, so that's they're not how they're borrowing from works. the bond market. Exactly. So like, huh. so for equitable bank, for example, a big B lender we work with, they get, though so their rates will change depending on how their institution lends them money. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And usually what, that. and usually yeah. what we see the B lender, usually takes a lot longer to catch up with them raising their rates. So when the A lenders and the big boys start doing it, it takes them a little okay. bit of while to catch up. And we're up. in that ga- we're in that phase right now where A lenders have increased, so B lenders really haven't, so the delta yes. is really small. That's Correct. interesting. That's advantageous yes. if you need a B lender. You yeah. don't feel like you're totally getting yeah. ripped yeah. off. But, but ten, and, and, but, yeah, sorry, one other thing too, like, uh, just to add on to Mike, which if you're self-employed, that was the point that I was going to yeah, say okay, to answer your question. B lenders because B lenders, the cool thing about them, if you're self-employed, is they have zero look at your tax return. So say you're someone making a great, a good amount of money, six figures, whatever you're making, but you want to show 30 grand on your taxes because who wants to pay those? You're now B lender, no problem. They'll just look at your six months business bank statements, take all the income you make in there and qualify. They will never look at an NOA or a T1 general, nothing like that. So when the rate's almost comparable, now you don't have to pay taxes on your money if you're self-employed necessarily. It's, it's not, not a bad spread. And even okay. if you're paying a higher interest rate, you got to kind of look at a. Am I buying a rental? Is it kind of write all this income, like all the rental, uh, all my expenses off? B. Am I saving money by not paying the taxes and just paying the interest? The higher, sure. bit higher yeah. interest. Okay, and that's uh, every self-employed person's problem is sometimes exactly. they're earning, but then after deductions, they're showing a real tiny yeah, income, yeah. and they the A lenders generally don't like them. Well, the A lenders, you got to fit their box, their magical yeah. bank box. It's a it, great game, man. Right? They have a great gig. Okay, so then. Now, if I come to you, can I also do, in the past, we were just talking about this before we started recording. In the past, I couldn't really do credit lines very easily or well with uh, mortgage brokers. Yeah. Now, sometimes you can. Yeah. So now, so we've obviously always, Scotia, obviously Big Bank, one of those banks we deal with, Scotia, they've always been really good. For okay. They've always allowed yeah, it. Okay. Been really good. I think I have one through TD yeah. and you guys couldn't so, yeah. do a, a credit line. Yeah. So now TD actually recently, as of uh, the beginning of this year, they've actually allowed us to like access lines of credit too. So now we have that multiple options basically. For I guess they were trying to clients. drive people like me to, to the, the bank. branch. Yeah. It, yeah. it just, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like the, obviously the bank, they pay brokers obviously more than they pay their branch people. Um, like obviously on a deal. So it's then now them saying, okay, they're, they want to get more business. The broker channel, whenever someone wants to get more business, the broker channel is a great place to go just because we'll, we'll yeah, like your hustlers paid yeah, on commission. Exactly, You're going to get deals done. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, a lot of times it's, and again, not to knock any bank person, but we're more experienced, sometimes more well-versed in all the, of the other lenders. So we'll be able to kind of guide them in the rest path. So people, when banks looking for more income, necessarily build their revenue, the broker channel, they come back for it, get their revenue. And it just depends on who's in power at that. If point I have too. an existing team, TD mortgage, uh, can I now come to you for a credit line? Correct. Or no, it be, oh, so, I can't so, even yeah, you now. Can. So even they, they, have a, they, have, they have a little rules about it. Sometimes they want to get you like a new mortgage, like a new TD mortgage. So they'll make you like break the old oh, one. Get shit, a new really? one. But you can do things like a port and blend and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily like okay. a bad with TD. Scotia, you can just come and add it. No problem. 
Um, but yeah, there's, there's like some, some rules around it, but it's definitely, we will we'll make an option work for somebody. And when someone is breaking a mortgage, the things for them to consider would be on a fixed rate. It's what? Three months. Into- no. So fixed rates called Sorry, interest yeah, yeah. rate differential. Yeah, that's right. That's so, the horrible one. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's the horrible one. <laughs> yeah. That's the horror story. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. horror story where you hear the, Hey, my penalty is like $32,000 on a big mortgage, right? So, so can you map that out? Why is it $32,000? So yeah. So say you have a mortgage of like $800,000 and there's three or four years left on the term and you're paying 2.9 or so let's say 3.94 and you bought it back in like 2017 2015 when rates were super high or not super high but i guess yeah, high relatively yeah relatively yeah. high so what the banks do is they're they have to now relend that money out after you not paying them 3.75 when you break the mortgage. they have to relend the money out at today's rate so the bank's losing money which obviously they never want to do so they're going to charge you the, the the interest rate difference on that and that's how your penalty works it's called interest rate differential or the difference of a three-month interest but the longer you are in your term the bigger your mortgage the difference in the spread of the rate that they're going to lend out nine times Could out of 10, higher, it's yeah. going to, they're going to take the higher yeah. amount. That's why the variable rate, not saying that we push the variable rate in any way. It's all caters to, we usually client. try to tell people get yeah. the variable rate, but, but go I've on, been, but I've go been, on. But so what yeah. I was going to say yeah. as an investor, it's just the variable rate gives you that flexibility, that three month interest only penalty, lower interest rate compared to the fixed. And you can have the option of locking it at any time, calling up your bank, reaching out to that's them. what most people don't know. And I've told people, Hey, look, start with a variable. If you can't sleep at night, yeah. Just lock it in. You're never going to exactly. get the best rate when you lock in of course. once you already have the mortgage, yep. but you can still lock in. Yep. And and to me, I always look at the fixed rate as insurance. Yep. Like variable rate is what I should be paying. Yep. But if I want to pay, if I want to have like this, uh, be able to sleep at night and know my rate, then I buy the insurance and yep. get the fixed rate. Yep. So I've always looked at paying extra as insurance to have that comfort. Yep. But Nick and I have always gone variable, especially on rental yep. properties where the interest is a tax deduction. Exactly. And that, that was the crazy thing. So what happened, honestly, what was a big thing I noticed personally was probably in 2017, 2018, 2019, a little, like early, like not even 2020 really, but those, those three years was we were in an, what's called an economy, inverted yield curve. So the fixed rate was actually lower than the variable for one of the craziest times. So it was like, you have to take the fixed, right? It's, it's, it was a sure, lot lower. Because the spread, the insurance is cheap. Yes. It was a lot You're, lower, yeah. right? So a lot of people took the fixed rate, which again, like I took a fixed rate at that point. On one of ours at that moment, yeah. we also took yeah, a fixed I, rate. I, I, it was I one of the very few times we ever did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was like, it was, you almost, it almost had to, right? I think, that, I remember the variables at like three and a half percent and the fixed rate was at like 2.6. 2. 2. Yeah, I think yeah. I got a 2.65 2. or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So it was, you almost had to take it everything's back to now it looks shit inverted. the 2.65 so by now, the way so yeah exactly <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, so. I closed on a couple properties in 2018 going into early 2019 and i do mortgages for a living at the time if people have a short-lived memory i have interest rates of 3.84 and 3.79 on two of my properties yeah. right now and you felt good about them at the time because <laughs> the fixed rate just kept rising yeah, yeah. we were approaching four percent and yeah. there were talks going higher yeah. than who the hell would have guessed covid hit literally yeah, 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 and then yeah. boom yeah, right yeah, yeah. so but, but yeah, yes. the variable now is, is like in my personal opinion, I would take it like because a variable it, on a primary place you can get what one point you get like seven? one one point nine. You can even get like no. depends on the bank one point four five to one point six five. One point four five to one point six five. Like yeah, depends okay. on the bank. Depends, depends on, on the, the bank. and on a rental, the variable is you're looking like one point five to one point one point nine. So roughly. if ba- bank primary right now is what two point four five, five. So the discount on variables they're handing out is like anywhere from prime minus fifty five to prime minus nice. eighty eighty yeah, eighty five ninety sometimes okay. yeah okay and and the thing is with the variable now even if obviously everything sees like might be a little bit of interest rate increase prime might go up 25 50 beef tw- even if it goes up 25 like you're still lower than the fix at that point mm-hmm. so it's like 
you, you must get something interesting here. that we've noticed over the years accidentally is that on a renewal, if you qualified as a rental and get the yeah. higher rate on the renewal, the banks, the I, I hate even speaking this language because somebody from the bank's going to listen, <laughs> but like the banks will just renew you at the best rate. Yes, they don't yeah. ask you if it's a rental so, anymore. And so some of our rentals on renewal recently, we've rates. got 1.15 on our rental yeah. renewal. And that, Vari- that's variable, thing. variable. And that's our biggest thing where it's like when we talk to clients and they have a renewal coming up, it's before we do anything, it's what do you want to do? Do you want to take money out of the property? Because obviously you want to get access to equity or you just want to just renew. Because a lot of times if you are just renewing, the banks really want to keep your business after they've had you for the five years. Because now these later years, obviously they're going to keep making money, right? So it's now they know it's going to be They don't want you shopping yeah, around. They want to keep around. you. So they're going to give you something very, very attractive. I always push back around. on whatever rate they gave me. Absolutely. Even though I know I can't qualify at the yeah. moment because whatever I'm doing, I'm always like, hey, listen, yeah. I might be looking around. Exactly. What, can, what can you, you do? Can play with them. You know, I'm just crossing my fingers yeah. that they yeah. don't change yeah. their minds. 100%, you know? right? And so, you're happy with the first offer oh, anyway. I'm yeah. really happy. Really happy. And so what I'll say, so if you're looking to actually take equity out of your property, that rate they're giving you is not real. Just like it's going to be a completely different because you're doing something completely different. Now we can kind of get in the game of now let's find out the best solution for you. But if you're looking to just get the best rate, a lot of times you're like when we'll help, we help clients a lot of times with this in certain ways to how to get the best rate from the bank on renewal. So definitely can reach out to us if someone needs help with that. But, uh, but yeah, we can absolutely just, Absolutely, the bank has given you a very good. And then, how much time do you need? Like, we have a property up at uh, Blue Mountain that just yeah. got delayed. To First thing I was May- talking to Nick about this. Okay, yeah. it's going to close in May. I think it's going to be delayed again. But let's say it closes in May. We are uh, j- late January now. How much lead time do you do you need from somebody like us? We already own yeah. a bunch of properties. So Nick's getting ahead of the game. So after this, I'm actually going to see him just to kind of go okay. over everything. But yeah, generally, what I would suggest is that, especially if just to get kind of as much time as you can give us is, is great. Like it's not even a bad idea for clients that maybe they don't know necessarily if they will qualify or not. So maybe, you know, the property's going to close in six months, come now and just say, Hey guys, what do I have to do to make it work? Yeah. Cause it might be a talk of, Hey, it doesn't work right now, but I can get it. To so work I, so we have months. to start gathering all our income statements yeah, up exactly, together, exactly. personal business yeah. stuff, articles of incorporation for us, everything that we, your Our life, whole lives, your basically. Coming back, okay. yeah. And most banks will hold that rate for you. Like you can actually submit your deal in for an approval and they'll hold it for 90 to 120 days. So that's why we always tell clients, if you're three, four months, even a little bit out, let's get the ball rolling now. Okay. Right. So that we can at least get today's rate. And lock it, lock it. Not in. even lock so, it in, but have that spread of that four months window, give or take 90 to 120 days. And if it gets pushed out, hey, it gets pushed out and we just get that rate at that time. Okay. What about this? If, if in the spring market, if the federal government really comes through with some changes for investors where they tweak down payments, maybe it'll be debt ratios that they play with for investors more, who knows what they're going to do. What do you think then? Will you be able to hold anything over or do you think, and I know we're just guessing. What do you mean? So like, let's say they change it and say, if you already own multiple properties and you're going for yet another one, we're going to change the debt ratio qualification standard that we've had to something even harder to make it more difficult for investors to buy property. And that change is going to come into effect in Canada, let's say April 1st. Do you think if I was dealing with a bank in, you know, a month before in March, would they allow me to carry through with the approval on the old debt ratio scores? So it typically happens. So we see this a lot in qualifying rates because qualifying rates going up and that happened went from 479 to 525. What ends up happening, so say that day, I think it was last year, they said it. Just explain the qualifying rate. Yeah, so sorry. Qualifying rate for anyone that doesn't know is basically when you go to apply for a mortgage, your rate might be 1.65, 1.7%, but you're qualifying for that mortgage based on a 5.25 rate as of today. So basically the banks have a rate that's much higher. Basically it's called like a stress test. So as long as 
you can qualify at the 525, they know you're okay to pay the mortgage at 1.5%, 1.6%, whatever the rate might be. Now, uh, so when banks do raise the rate, though, they'll let us know. We get a little bit of a heads up on the qualifying rate. Obviously, we knew about the last one that was coming up. And it was get your deals in before that that are tight because they grandfather it in. So as of okay. June 1st on that time frame, it was every deal that was submitted after that date was on the new qualifying rate. As so if it was of, submitted before. Exactly. Yes. Then you're okay. So it just depends on the situation. That's typically how it works um, is like anything grandfathered in. So if you expire your 120 days, though, for example, if we had a rate lock in, it's technically a new submission. Then it turns into a little bit of a fight yeah, with the it. bank. And that's like obviously our job. To Do go you ever fight. win those battles? Yeah, it depends on the yeah. deal, to be honest okay. with you. But yeah, it's, it's definitely the stuff we can win. Case like, by case, deal yeah. per deal, right? Like everything, there's all different contingencies on files and dealing with the bank. But to touch on his point, we saw that when they were adjusting the stress test. People would qualify when it was 4.79 and they said, hey, this day we're going to five and a quarter. Well, if we were closing new constructions or existing clients that already had a live deal, the, the banks were still honoring the stress test at the 479 okay. before the increase. Do you guys have any banks that will allow someone, a new investor to uh, start a new corporation and use that to close in or no? Is that? Yeah, yeah you can definitely do that. Yeah, so, the, yeah, so definitely all, all the banks technically do and we have access to all, obviously okay. all the banks that we work with. And uh, so, yeah. So, you, so I'll have to personally guarantee yeah, so it's personally a new, cor new corporation. Correct. So there's nothing behind yeah, it. So, and even if it's an existing one, you're always going to have to personally guarantee a residential mortgage anyway um, the biggest thing for buying under corporate is we like to ask them like why like what is your plan for doing it because it doesn't always make sense for people do they think it does because what they hear why, is, why it's a couple different reasons some people go hey the liability i want to talk, i want less liability well and if you talk to any yeah, good you get lawyer, the right insurance yeah, you talk to any good lawyer a you get the right insurance you're fine and b anybody can crack just on that just so you know yeah. uh one of our lawyers that you guys know jerry got yep. just recommended this is a big change we used to tell everyone $2 million liability yeah. was like more than enough. He actually said now $5 million yeah. was what he was referring Probably, to yeah. as like the, the the thing to make you feel yeah. good on your insurance, which surprised me. That's a big yeah. jump from $2 million. Yeah, it but it, uh, it's not very expensive to yeah. change it. But um, but anyway, okay, so if you have the right insurance yeah. for a liability, yeah, you feel like fine. you're covered. Exactly. And, 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 and to break the liability anyway, so let's say that little shield that you think you have, um, any good anybody can really break. It's not from what I've spoken about. It's not that hard to actually break and still come after you personally. So the liability oh, doesn't. Lorenzo doesn't do dropping too much. down the law. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the liability doesn't do too much. Now some people come and say, hey, for tax reasons, well, does it actually make sense for you tax reason wise? Because if you have a regular rental property, single family home duplex, you might be only profiting like six, seven grand a year. Is that really going to change you? If they only have one, right? Is that really going to change your tax bracket? Like, is that much? So you have to really look at it since it doesn't make sense because corporate taxes are expensive. Right. So does it make sense to now start paying the corporate yeah. tax fees? Just so, so at this point, anyone listening, you, Lorenzo, I agree with what yeah. you're saying. Just you have to speak to your accountant and lawyer. Hey, speak to your accountant and lawyer. Make sure it makes sense for you. Like we don't even look but at But we it. did what you're saying. Sorry. Yes. Because for a couple of years, Nick and I took one of those courses that we spent money on that we didn't have yeah. to go teach us how to become millionaires over yeah, the weekend. Yeah. And it said, you know, start a corporate structure. And I think for three or four years, we were paying accounting fees. Yeah. At one point, we had no money, so I was just taking the corporate tax returns and putting zero yeah, on yeah. them all because there was nothing there <laughs> and just submitting them, hoping yeah. the, that Revenue Canada would be Wouldn't happy with that. Good. But I, I can tell you now, after doing it for like 15 years or whatever, it does end up being really nice in a corporate setup because I, myself, as a person, I don't really own anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But to get there, it's kind of shitty, and I don't think you have to do it out of the gates. No, so we tell everybody, get two or three properties, get some cash exactly. flow, let the portfolio 
pay for the overhead of the corporate structure and then go down the corporate structure path. And the biggest thing too, we tell clients is like, as I was talking to you earlier, but buying in trust is a big thing, right? So you're still buying your personal name. You can do what's called in trust to your corporation at that point. And that's kind of the best of both worlds, essentially where you can look at it that way. But yeah, the the corporate thing, it's good. Um, not necessarily great though. It just depends on who okay. you are. But so the like, banks, most banks will allow. Yeah, every yes. every okay. bank will allow it. Obviously, there's different rules around it. So there's different like, rules, uh, structures, and qualifying is the same. But obviously, some banks are they take longer. Than, so for example, TD when at the branch, like the branch level does corporate deals. Um, we we have we can obviously uh do that too. Um, they take a lot longer on corporate deals for some reason. So if you're doing a property, okay, under so a different code, approval process. Yeah, but you're and that's different. It's just the way they do it. They just they take longer. The actual qualifying is the same roughly, but it's actually, they take longer to approve. So we've had multiple deals where you're trying to buy under a corporation and uh, say they're working with, with TD, for example, or RBC or whoever it may be, they're taking longer to get them the approval. We can actually do it in the personal name faster. And so it's like, hey, closings come up in three weeks. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're not doing this one in the corp. Exa- we got to close. Exactly. And then the interest thing's huge too. So it's, it's definitely, uh, it has to make sense for the person. So whenever people come to us and say, hey, I want to buy under a corp, it's always, why do you want to do it? And let's talk about it. It doesn't make sense for you first. What's the hardest mortgage for you guys to do with investors? Would it be student rentals? Those always are tricky. Yeah. It, it depends on, on the bank. Yeah. Student rentals very dependent on the bank. A lot of banks don't like them necessarily. And the reason they don't is just because the... The way they look at it, the property is going to get damaged by the students. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it might not be the case all the time. Like, I was a student. Like, Well, yeah, yours were probably damaged like <laughs> no, crazy, yeah. for sure. You guys were <laughs> no, like, we were good. But, um, uh, okay, and then what What else? Uh, what about uh, straight rentals? Uh, you guys generally will do up to, what, four units? Is that what it so is? So residential yeah, residential is four, four, four. Up to four units. units. Okay. Yeah. Anything commercial over, we do commercial too all the time. Now we've actually seen a lot more commercial deals coming through. Um, commercial qualifying is a little bit different too. A lot of people like the qualifying on the commercial side. It's a lot more down payment most of the time, but uh, the qualifying is based on the property you're buying. So. so so you guys as like young guys working with a bunch of people, you're working with people, you know, in their 20s, but 30, 30s generally. So Zanzini, your age, we generally like for your group of friends now, I would imagine, we call that the years of like they have no money because like they're getting you know, often yeah. getting married and having children and you're buying a car for the family, changing out of the car they had in their 20s to the car for the family. And they're basically completely broke. They can afford their yeah. lives, but they're not buying anything extra. So we generally don't see many people in their 30s. We see people in their 20s. Yes. And then we see people again in their 40s. But the 30s is like this no man's land. Yeah. Um, what 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 do you guys see? Like you guys see people in their forties and fifties. Do you guys at your ages think real estate will be something that you'll do for a long time? Because I, you're both fans of yeah, real estate and income properties. Is it, is it playing a little bit of a role for you? Is it playing a huge role for you in your mind going forward? How, how do you see it? Whether people agree with me or not, but here's the genuine honest truth. How I feel on real estate is for me, that's like my retirement plan in the sense that, I bought houses, someone's going to pay them down, whether they go up in value or they don't. Someone's paid for that, that tangible asset, that hard asset, right? Dabble a little bit maybe into private lending, into the crypto world, into the stocks that we also dabble into as well. Kind of diversify. Obviously, the holy grail in the nest egg is uh, that main supply chain is mortgages, working my day to day, grinding 12, 14 hours a day, five to six days a week, right? Sometimes seven days a week. But having those assets and building and growing for you. But I do believe in real estate. I really, really do. That's what I was brought up on from my parents, Mm -hmm. from either it was lending out your money privately or it was purchasing real estate and have someone else pay down that asset and building up that cash flow. Obviously, it's getting a little bit more challenging as the market continues to rise. Obviously, it's tougher to get into market like 
I'm in the market. I would love to go and buy another house right now, kind of just waiting to see where things are going. But yeah, I would love to acquire more. And from inventory point of view, we've never, so we, Rockstar was uh, started in 2008. We yeah. started doing this, uh, the first full year was 2007. Yeah. We've never seen inventory this tight. Yeah. The inventory now is just like, if you just drive around your neighborhood, there's no for sale signs. No, no. There's, n- there's no houses nuts. available for sale. And, and the average purchase price now, it's like you're buying a rental property. I put, I bought my company, I bought one at 400. That's like, it's great. It'll be fascinating because of your ages. Like I remember when we bought in Hamilton, when Nick bought that one student rental, I'll never forget. Like it was $135,000. And at the time we're like, holy shit, you know, thank (laughs) God you're doing it with your buddy from hockey. They did a joint venture on no paperwork or anything. They just both qualified and bought the property. And then we bought one down the street, a student rental for 250. And we're like, holy shit. 250 grand and and we argued for about a two years afterwards how nick ripped us off on that property and i was just joking but nick is really the one who will negotiate prices yeah, harder yeah. than i will yeah. so it was always just it was just you know two brothers going out i'm like dude you screwed us on that property now that property is probably a million dollars or something so I, I just wonder if you guys will reflect back and look at this time will property prices be cheap or will this be a plateau or will it come down from here and it's just going to be fascinating the one because thing i see it's like you came out with their population report, right? You got, I took a look at like, how does it, it's a supply and demand thing, right? There's only so much soil. So it's like, where are you going to go? And everyone wants to be in, in one And that's spot. the weird thing in Canada, what you said, that there's only so much soil and people will say, well, Canada has so much land. But when the builders don't exactly. build on exactly. the land, you're not going to live in a tent exactly. on the dirt usually. Um, so yeah, we have this lack of supply. We have low interest rates, basically. I know the Bank of Canada, I think they're gonna uh, raise rates because it's gonna look good. Inflation's a bit out of yep. control. They're gonna say, hey, look what we did. It's gonna be a nice narrative for six months. I just can't see them raising rates over the next two years in any meaningful way yeah, in a exactly. continuous basis. But so that means if we have low rates, relatively speaking, even if they tweak up a little bit. Yeah, and that's what I mean. People got to be like relative on what low rate means. Yeah, like yeah. People, oh, I, mean, I raised 25 B, about 2.65%. Yeah, anything under 5% for yeah, me oh, is low. Exactly, like I'm like, that's exactly, a low rate. Exactly. Um, so. So, I, well, I know that you're a little bit older than me, Tom, but uh, like my parents always say, you don't know what it was like with 18, 22, 21. I saw my parents go through right? it. I was older. I'm five years older than Nick. So in the 80s, when our family, I remember people coming to our parents saying, Wow, you guys got 16 and a half. How did you get that? Because we just got quoted at 21%. Private lending rates aren't even that high. It's crazy. Can you imagine? 16 and a half and people were crazy. Congratulate. I remember in Etobicoke by um, Islington subway station, we had family friends. I remember as a kid playing in the backyard of that family's house. And the next year we went to their rental apartment. And I remember just asking my dad, like, oh, why did they move? And, uh, you know, my dad explained, like, they lost the house. Because on the renewal, yeah, they couldn't they afford, afford the mortgage. They it's like crazy. in Canada, people think that that's never happened. But in the back of my mind, I'm always like, no, that shit can happen. So when now I see rates not raising, I think people can classify us talking that way as like, oh, they're just in the real estate yeah. industry. But I'm like, no, like I just. I don't see how they raise from here. But but to even agree to your point, like as a young gentleman like myself, like I agree. If your interest rate is like under five, under four and a half percent, like in my mind, you're still winning. I've, I've I'm a young guy. I've purchased real estate in the last few years. Like I just finished saying earlier, I've had an interest rate of 3.79, for the last four years. Like we're not even close to that. Like yeah. we're getting there. After inflation, but, but you're it's all, negative. Yeah, you're but, negative but it's real. almost yeah. inevitable. Like rates do have to creep up, guys. Like this isn't real. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. I remember in 2010 to 2012, we would look at the Federal Reserve minutes yeah. of the Federal Reserve meetings to look at how they were voting. And I forget how they were voting. I think it was like 16 people on the Federal Reserve were voting that rates would go up by you know the next year. And like Ford said they wouldn't. And I remember Nick and I saying, who are these 16 people in the Federal Reserve? I don't think they're going to raise rates. But everybody was talking about raising rates, and, and, including a well-known mortgage broker that uh, you guys know, and it's not Dave. Yeah, I know who it's it someone is. someone <laughs> else. And he was telling us, rates are going up. And I think yeah. we were new to the business, and we kind of believed him. But in the back of my mind, we're like, no, we, mathematically, I don't think rates can go up. They're just going to sink this economy. But anyway, we're, we're off topic. I'm, I'm curious then, what are you guys, what else are you guys uh, tracking right now? Stocks you're into? We've talked about so, we tricked you. Get Zanzini got into to, to some of the Bitcoin stuff. Yeah. At the time, now he, you were up for about one day, yeah. and yeah. now you're down on. I think the purchase price that uh, we had that conversation no, on. I'm still doing okay though, but yeah. A little yeah, bit are down. you okay? Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good. He's coming to the defensive. I like <laughs> it. But uh, what do you guys? Uh, yeah, so outside real estate, what catches your attention? What are you guys paying attention to? Stocks. Yes. Bitcoin. Stocks, stocks a big thing. Do you for follow us. the NFT stuff that's I've going been on right now? The NFTs are big thing. Mike's in it too, as well as myself. A lot of the uh, U.S. marijuana stocks we're looking at a lot right yeah, now. Got it. Um, obviously, like the way everything happened in Canada, we kind of saw how that worked out. Uh, now, U.S. kind of waiting for the same thing to happen. Essentially, right? they're going to fed at some point. You would think they have to federally legalize. There's a lot of big companies out there doing a lot of really cool things. Um, very profitable companies are doing really well. So we're kind of big into the uh, to those right now. Yeah. Small like side business, anything that we yeah, can, I learned uh, about that. Uh, yeah. MSOs, man. Yeah, the yeah, MSOs. MSOs. What are they? Multi-state multi operators. Multi-state multi operators. operators. Yeah, that's right. I we learned about that this that. summer. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're big into those right now. Um, yeah, when, but I don't know. The NFT is stuff is fascinating. The metaverse, the like, NFT stuff. The NFT stuff reminds me of tech in the late '90s. Like ninety yeah. some odd percent of it is going to go to garbage. Yeah. But there's going to be some goodness that comes out of it. But yeah. a lot of people are just going to get burned. Oh yeah. Like I just feel like telling people, listen, you got this new digital asset forming Bitcoin. Please just buy some of it and then take some of your. It's kind of like a risk profile. Like mm -hmm. we'll tell everybody, hey, like what's your risk profile? You know, as the risk yeah. is what's low on the risk profile. And yep. to me, after doing some research, Bitcoin to me in that world is really low. I understand it. It's scarcity. Nobody controls it. It's yep. just like digital asset. To me, that's low. So like I want some of that. And then as you go up your risk profile, if there's some NFTs that you're going to play with, exactly. fine. But take a percentage of your portfolio. I see a lot of younger people right now saying, I missed the boat on some big price increases on yeah. stuff like Bitcoin. I'm going to make up for lost time. And I'll tell you, this is exactly what my generation did. In, you know, when we were like kind of late teens, button. early 20s, it was like, yeah, yeah, I missed out on Microsoft, Cisco, Nortel, Corel. I don't know if you had never even heard of Corel. Corel is oh, a no. big software company <laughs> in Canada that's nowhere. But uh, um, I missed out on all these things. So I'm going to get into the, the Pets.com, the mill. Yes. And, and those all just yeah. went and to bust. Was, yes. So you, you didn't have that much money. Yeah. But I was buying some of that stuff. And yeah. then I saw like my $1,000 that I put Bro. into it just go to zero. Yeah. And uh, I thought, oh, but if I had just stuck with some of the, or taken a percentage and stuck with some of what the, what I, th I, I thought the winners would have been, yeah. it would have been the better strategy. Yeah. So, but that comes also with education. Yeah. You need we to, talked about to go too. down this world of crypto yeah. and Bitcoin. You need to spend a lot of time, man. Yeah. Now it's, one book too, I was in the middle of reading actually when you sent us this, uh, this summer too, I was still kind of getting through like final parts of it. It's been really, Is really that the good. Bitcoin standard? Or yeah, 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 okay. exactly. The gold, okay. Yeah, the Bitcoin standard. And then, uh, yeah, like the NFT, like it looks like 
Again, I remember telling me how, how Aiden was doing it. That, that's a great idea, the way he's doing it. A lot of it's kind of, but it is kind of like going to the casino at some points, right? Depending on what you're doing with you it. You got to educate so. yourself. As like long you as said. you, yeah, if you, you have, have some knowledge, when some yeah, people yeah. show me some NFTs and they're like, I'm buying this and I ask them why they're buying it and there's nothing yeah, there, I'm blank. just like, oh my God. <laughs> but if they can tell me the reasons that yeah. they're buying it, then I mean, at least there's yeah. some interest there and I can, have a why. Be, yeah, I can explore it just a little bit. Yeah. But it's complete. I don't associate. The one thing that bugs me about this whole crypto space is that people lump it all together and i just consider bitcoin something very very different yeah like bitcoin to me is a as a new form of money all the other stuff are technology platforms or technology companies mm -hmm. and that's the way i distinguish it in my mind i'm like these other things are tech plays yeah. this thing is a digital money and they're different do you look at ethereum the same way as bitcoin or do you look at those two differently too don't swear, you're swearing at me now oh that's listen it. Okay. I, so I, I own some ethereum I, I own no i own some <laughs> ethereum yeah. still but uh but no, uh, Ethereum is a technology platform. Got like it, it's yeah, yeah. some of the people. That's where the NFTs are based, right? You buy them in Ethereum. They're built on the Ethereum yeah, platform. Yeah, some yeah. of them are now being built on some other yeah. platforms as well, or layer ones. But um, but Ethereum is different because if somebody can control the monetary policy of the platform, then to me that's not a commodity-based money. Like no, Bitcoin, should, yeah. nobody can change the rules. The rules yeah. are set. No one can change it. And some people in the Ethereum community are saying, well, this is like ultrasound money because we're going to burn off some of the Ethereum so there's even less of it. So yeah. it's ultrasound. It's it's better than hard money. It's it's actually yeah. the, the the amount of it's going down. So it's, it's really good. But just the fact that that Someone can be can changed yeah. makes it not a good form of money to it's me. Just say they won't print, like just give you more. Yeah, because what day. happens yeah. if they change their mind? Yeah, and exactly. Tomorrow there's more money. I don't want to put my family's life savings in something that can be changed. So to me, Bitcoin serves the store of value. It even stores a unit of account. It, uh, we've even been uh, using it as a medium of exchange where we've been yeah. paying some people in, in it and that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah but yeah. Ethereum is uh, is a technology platform. It might go up 100x from here. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't have a, an amazing future growth. Maybe it does, absolutely. But it, I just, in my mind, I can't evaluate them the same way. Yeah. One's a tech platform. The other is a form of money. You know, that's kind of the way we look at that. Got it. Anything um, else that you own? Like, do you own any of the other coins? No, uh, no, but... <laughs> no, I don't own any Dogecoin. No, I can't even bring, no, 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 no. I can't. They bother me. But, but that yeah. goes back to the dot-com era. It's like the... the I think maybe yeah, I've been scarred. Yeah. I've been scarred, right? Yeah. And then after the dot-com era, it was a lot of my buddies got into commodities and it was like, hey, there's this... Uh, what did I buy? There was like a, a nickel mine somewhere in Canada or something that yeah, was yeah. going to like buy it at five cents over some special trading desk. Like yeah. you had to call in and you buy, and it, you know, it was probably going to go to 25 cents in the yeah. next month. So you call in yeah. and you buy it and it would just go from five cents to one cent or zero. Yeah. And, uh, so I just, I think I've just seen that pattern in my life so many yeah. times. I, it's not that I don't think some greatness is going to come out of the NFT world. Somewhere I'm sure there will. If we can get artists mm -hmm. cutting out the middle middlemen and yep. saying someone can you know produce a song and fans can support them. And if you can buy an NFT and you get a royalty of all the money that that artist is making as, as part owner of that NFT and the, the artist themselves is getting way more revenue, maybe it's like a brilliant way to distribute funds now mm -hmm. where we don't need all this corporate structure in between. Yep. So. But that's just not really developed from what I can see yet. There's actually some um, NFTs that are so early. I, I, I promised Aiden I'm not even going to talk about that on the podcast <laughs> just yet. But that are starting to come out with that kind of thing. Yeah. That actually interests me. I'm yeah. like, okay, there's going to be like a revenue model there's here. application for yeah, the like real There's, yeah, there's yeah. going to be a stream of income through yeah. this NFT. And I get to purchase part of that stream of income. 
Okay. Yeah. That's, but it's not Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. That's totally, totally different. We're talking now a yeah. business application. It's just something that has to be evaluated completely separately. Yeah. That at least I can talk about. So that might be interesting over the next few years. And that's where I think there's a bright future for you guys, because as this explodes, there's going to be so much opportunity. Like we're so early with this stuff oh, yeah. that you guys have the opportunity to jump on some of this stuff when you feel the opportunity is right. If it, if it does make sense. For sure. Um, but like yeah, so I'm paying attention and it's hard to keep up on it. There's another report here. This, this, stuff, this stuff is exploding so quickly to just keep up on all the Bitcoin stuff with the lightning network and everything that's evolving there in different countries like El Salvador. Yes. Making it money and using it in the country like that to just keep up in one space. Never mind everything that's going on with all the other stuff. It's tough. For and sure. then to keep up with the real estate and yeah. interest rate and the central banks, you know, are. That's my enemy, that's the central enemy, bank. Yes, so I have, oh, to, yeah. <laughs> I have to keep up with, uh, up to speed on what they're doing. But uh, and then, what do you guys do? You guys with all the mortgage stuff? Anything? Uh, do you have any time for anything else in your lives right now, or no? Yeah, is no, it just we are, is, we are is, is BM Select just sucked all <laughs> no, of your free time out of you? Obviously, like a little bit of side stuff here and there, but we're definitely uh, we're definitely very. This very is the busy. focus. This is the focus, yeah, and yeah. this is the one thing that's going to be for us like long term, like kind of like for like for us like. Dave and Dan are like kind of, they're Dave and Dan, right? Mike and I are kind of the next version. Of yeah. That so if anyone through. listening doesn't know, Dave Butler kind of started all yeah, of this. Yeah. He's been working with us since day one. Yeah. Nick met him at Gold's gym. Yeah. And the first time I talked to Dave, I told Nick, I said, we can't work with this guy. Yeah. Speaks too fast. I don't know. I don't know about this dude. <laughs> yeah. And then he got the mortgage done. And he just, when we started this business, we literally had a lineup of like 10 mortgage yeah, brokers yeah. who were buying us Subway sandwiches and giving us free pens. And yeah. we're like, we don't want any of this. We just want you to close deals. And Dave was the only one who never showed up with anything, but he just got deals done. And for us, that was like the magic formula. And now he stood the test of time. And then uh, Dan Patton started working with him. Um, at BM Select, and now you guys are yeah. there, the and it cool sounds like the teams like yeah, expl- the yeah. Cool teams. Like, the cool thing is like, Mike, like the day you nailed there, Mike and I kind of came up as like Dave and Dan essentially. So it's kind of going to be the same sort sort of idea too, Very in the cool. same way. Like Dan, obviously, Mike we worked really close. Dave and I were really close. So it's going to be a cool transition. What do your parents say? Like so, Zanzini, what do, we'll start with? Yeah, what do your parents say? Because they you walked in that day, and now it's been seven years yeah. later. Are they, I guess, just happy that you're doing Absolutely. this? Absolutely, they're yeah. super, super thrilled. They're very, very happy. They've seen how far I've come. They know Lorenzo very well, and just seeing cool. both of us go down the same path. Like, yeah, they're, they're very happy. Yeah. Yeah. That must be yeah, awesome for them to see. And to think that you guys came to one of our events Yeah, and, and like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that your parents, if for you, Zanzini at 24, whenever you said like, I probably, I don't know if I would have went to something like that at 24, I started to shift my thinking around 26, it took me a couple of years. So for you to come to that, that's like a Saturday morning. We start at yes. 830. Yeah. Like it's a pain. Kudos to you, man. Well, in all fairness, I know we keep shouting out event. Dave and Dan being our mentors and giving us the opportunity, but everything stems back from you and yeah, you yeah, and your yeah. brother. Yeah, cool. Like rock You're too kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank right? you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, you got out of bed that morning and came to that event. You didn't have to, yeah. you know. Um, and Lorenzo, yeah, what are your your parents saying? They're happy. They're really happy for me now. I've got through school and finished that, so now they're uh, they're, they're happy. Yeah, cool. <laughs> your dad, I always credit, and I don't even yeah. know. I can't remember if my memory is serving me well here, but we have this thing where a smaller group of members we call the VIP group, yeah, and we yeah. do some dinners for them. They've been around for a long time. I always credit your dad for that, and I don't know if it's correct or not. I should talk to him because I feel like in my memory it was him that was saying, "Hey, can I spend some time with other investors?" Yeah. Because your dad has been doing stuff. Your dad, when we met him, was investing in some stuff in. Brampton, yeah, I think yeah, I we were, yeah. does he? Yeah, we were helping him out with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think he said, Hey, can I spend more time with some other investors? And we came up with this VIP group. So I always give him credit to yeah. the idea. 
but I actually should talk to him because I don't know if he actually yeah, said yeah. that or not. It's time is by. But I do remember your father, Sergio, was sat us down when the great financial crisis was like in full swing. Yeah. So we had just started. And I think it was around 2009 or 10. So we were two or three years in. Yeah. And he sat us down at a pancake house in Burlington that we yeah. had a little morning kind of meetup thing at. Yeah. And he goes, are you... Everyone left. It was just your dad, me, and Nick. And he sat down. I don't know if he remembers this, but I remember it. And he said, are you guys going to make it? <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like, there's a chance we're not. You know what I mean? When you're yeah, so oblivious, like, cool you're so, you're too, so right? focused yeah. on just surviving yeah, and going. Like, you sure. don't even think there's yeah. a chance. Like, what? oh, my gosh, what do you mean? Like, yeah. are, there's a chance we're not going to yeah. make this? And that's I, why you made it. Right? Like, especially the best entrepreneurs are like just so sewn in on their own thing. That's so like focused. nothing else can bother them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just focused. Yeah. Like, how can we? Buy? And I'll tell you one other thing. When we were doing some rent-to-owns back in the day, we would have tenants buy out properties. And Nick and I have been through a number of properties now. And, and the profit we might make on the buyout yeah, between me and Nick might, might have been $30,000. Yeah. And we thought, jackpot. I mean, we bought the property for like 200000 We did our rent to own. Maybe they're going to buy out this property from us at like $245,000. And cash flowed the whole time. Cash flowed the whole time. We cashed out 30000 Looking back now, if we had just kept those properties yeah. that we had been through, yeah. but we didn't have the money to keep them. Like we yeah. had to, ha- we, we needed those income hits quite for frankly. Sure. But looking back now, it's just so laughable that we were like, high, yeah, 30 grand. <laughs> and, and anyone listening to this, 30 grand is a lot of money. I'm yes. not trying to downplay that. But on the same properties now, that property is worth like $850,000. Sure. So sure. we were just high-fiving yeah. each other on the 30,000 win. Yeah. If we had just held the property, we yeah. were talking about $800,000 property, right? So perspective, I guess. Yeah. But uh, anyway, guys, I just really want to thank you guys for everything you're doing for Rockstar members, for investors that you work with. I mean, the integrity that you guys have, the way you work with people. Thank you for everything that you're doing. So if anyone listening to this, like what's the the proper procedure to engage that is it going to BM Select's website? Email us us at uh, info at bmselect.ca. Uh, you can also call us. Uh, not the Lord, look up number. Yeah, info at BM Selects. Best. I'll put the best I'll path. put the phone number in the yeah, show notes the of best, this yeah, episode. Phone number. We Instagram DM us if you want on Instagram. What's the Instagram handle? It's uh, at BM Select. Just BM Select, I believe. I'm Lorenzo, this you. is really great yeah, that you have this spot, stuff. Eh? Yeah, BM Select probably on Instagram. We'll check that. BM dot Select. There you go. BM dot Select. Yeah, BM dot on select, Instagram. Instagram. But info at, at BM Select dot CA. Dot CA. Yeah, so email um, us there, and then we'll uh, have someone reach out to you right away. Yeah, cool. Um, anything else that you wanted? Anything else that we're covering? We only did the the one the one shot, but uh, we did another one. It was a double shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now we'll, maybe we'll do another. We'll see what you guys are up for. Guys, I appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you for thank having you so us. much, man. Appreciate this is awesome. It. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Michael Zanzini and Lorenzo Poda of BM Select. And if you want to reach out to them, you can do that by using this email address. It's info at bmselect.ca. That's info at bmselect.ca. And if you are listening to this and you want some more real estate specific information, you can check out the videos that we were putting on. You can hit subscribe, hit the big red subscribe button on the YouTube channel there as well. And you can find that at youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. That's youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. That's the end of the episode. Till next time, your life, your terms.